The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, December 5th. We are two days away from the Big 12 Championship game that will feature Oklahoma and Baylor. On this date in 2009, Texas beat Nebraska 13-12 to in a Big 12 title game that featured a 46-yard field goal at the buzzer by Hunter Lawrence. Texas advanced the BCS Championship game with that victory. Anyway, I'm Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined by Mr. Mike Craven. Mike, say hello. Hello, everybody. Mike, did anything happen this weekend? Yeah, it seemed uh, seemed like a kind of randomly busy weekend, yeah, I remember. I mean, it, was, it was the holidays, and you had Black Friday, so maybe you got some shopping yep. done, high yep. school football playoffs going on. Yeah, I had exactly one day off, and okay. that was Thanksgiving. But other than that, yeah, it was a pretty busy, pretty busy yeah. time around the forty. On, on Sunday, you got right to work. I was actually driving home from um, spending the weekend in Dallas with my family. Yeah, you're welcome. And, uh, uh, while in traffic, the phone started going crazy. Uh, I noticed uh, on our Slack channel, you and uh, Brian Davis were hustling all over the place because Texas kind of shook up its coaching staff. Yeah, coaching changes, and with coaching changes come recruiting questions, and so I knew I was just going to get a ton of that stuff all week, so I just got ahead of the curve You're and proactive. Sent, sent a text to every kid that has ever responded to me. Yeah, so let's talk about those coaching changes. Uh, defense coordinator Todd Orlando's out, saw the year on his deal, but Tom Herman decided to make a move after a disappointing season on defense. Uh, wide receiver Drew Maringer was also uh, let go. Corby Meekins, uh, the inside receiver's coach, won't be coaching next year, but he'll still be at Texas in administrative position. So I guess he got reassigned. And then Tim Beck, the offensive coordinator, was demoted uh, to quarterback's coach. Uh, the wording on his on, the, on their release was a little strange because it said through the bowl game, so he may not even be here next year. But for now, he at least uh, – Texas is going to be looking for a new defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator. So first question, since this is a recruiting podcast, what do these four coaching changes mean for recruiting? Well, we saw one casualty. You know, Van Van Fillinger from Utah, the defensive lineman, uh, decommitted after the Todd Orlando firing. He was kind of leaning towards looking at other places. You know, Utah is having a fantastic year, and that's he's twenty minutes from that campus. So, even without Todd Orlando, Todd Orlando's firing, Van Fillinger probably would have uh, looked elsewhere. It seems like the guys in state are pretty much in, and we need to remember. You know, early signing period is only two and a half weeks away. A lot of these guys, you know, they just want to get it over with. They're already planning on dorms. You know, seven of them are enrolling early. So seven of the 17 have to move in a month. You know, it's kind of hard to to come up with those plans late. So it sounds like they knew some coaching changes were going to happen. And it's, you know, as long as Tom Herman's around, I think a lot of them feel like they're at least committed to the same program they were two weeks ago. You know, in years past, as someone who's been you know, covering recruiting for a while, it's not uncommon to hear a story about you know a coaching change or a firing happening after signing mm-hmm. day. Um, you know, kid signs, thinks he's coming to you know X school to play for such and such coach, and that two days after signing day, that coach is out the door either because he accepted a new job or or because he's being pushed out. So, with that in mind, why do you think Texas made these moves now and? Has the way that the transfer portal and kind of what we saw with Brew McCoy when he first left USC for Texas last year, has that kind of changed the game? Whereas if a kid feels um, that he was lied to or that he was misled, you know, there's an, an avenue for him to just kind of 
jump into once he gets to campus. Yeah, I mean, I think most of us, at least, you know, we remember being teenagers or, you know, maybe some of you out there have them. I think trust is kind of the most important thing in the recruit. You know, like most kids will give you the benefit of the doubt if they think you're being real with them. And with Todd Orlando, I believe Tom Herman just knew the changes were going to happen and there was no reason to just not be real with Todd and not be real with all the players on the staff or all the players on the team and then on the recruiting. What will be interesting is is the assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be surprised if we were done hearing about coaches leaving Texas. And I'd imagine that next wave happens after National Sign Day and specifically after the bowl practice because, I mean, they still need people to coach. Mm-hmm. And so I think getting rid of the defensive coordinator was as much signaling it to other defensive coordinators that could be potential candidates that, look, Texas is open. Don't take another job because we'd like to interview you first. So I think that had more to do with it. And remember, this Texas class only had, now that Van decommitted, it only has five defensive players in it. Um, So this was the right class to make that change if you were going to make it because there's not a ton of defensive guys on that side of the ball. You you touched on it, and I'm curious if any of the guys you've talked to have mentioned this, but do you think there is a concern about more changes in the upcoming months, either – because Tom Herman feels he needs to make a change, or you know, a new defensive coordinator comes in and says, "Hey, I have a cornerback coach right. that I have to bring with me." Sorry, you know, Jason Washington, you got to go. Or, "Hey, I, I'm the new offensive coordinator, and you know, I'm I'm not coming unless my running back coach comes." So, sorry, Stan Drayton, you you got to go. Not to say that either of those coaches are on on the chopping block. <laughs> Stan but, Drayton's probably pretty safe but, with the know, Bajan thing. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, is for there sure. concern with the recruits that? You know, maybe the guy, maybe the you know coach I've become close with, either because he's on the chopping block now, or maybe on the future with a new coordinator coming in, that he may not be here when I when I actually get to campus. Uh, for sure, and I think some of the guys who may be the safest are the safest because of the relationships they have with recruits. Like we just joked about, you know, Bajan Robinson's pretty been pretty vocal and adamant that Stan Drayton is one of the reasons he's coming to Texas and. I'd imagine Stan Drayton's job is safe this at least this year because of that. Um, Herb Hand is another guy. I guess he, I think he got a two year when he first he got hired. Left on his deal. Uh, but he's another guy that's doing great in recruiting. So you know, you don't see them moving on from them right now. Texas only has one corner commit, and that's Keaton Crawford out of Tyler. So uh, you know, maybe that's a sign that Jason Washington is on the way out. But he's on the road right now in Arizona watching Keely Ringo. Uh, the t- five-star cornerback. So I think most of these kids understand it at this point that it's a business and that they're unlikely to go through four or five years of school with the exact same position coaches. And they also saw a 7-5 and five record, and they don't want to be a part of that either. So they understand that some people need to be let go and some changes need to happen. Uh, for them, Tom Herman is such a alpha male and, and such a such a part of the program that I think they feel committed to Herman more than the assistant coaches because he is kind of, you know, the end all, the alpha and the omega of Texas football right now. Do you think it's important that Texas hires or at least has, you know, some candidates leaked by the time that signing day occurs? Because, you know, I'm sure if you're a, you know, a, a lineman who's expecting to play in a you know three man front, and yeah. the coordinator comes in that it's going to play a you know a four a four man front. I mean, that's going to kind of impact you and what you do. 
is it important that the, there's some clarity in that aspect for these recruits, you know, as they make that decision in a couple of weeks? I mean, I would think so. You know, you want to have as many variables and factors in this thing understood as much as you can. The thing that Texas has working for it is that these kind of changes happen at all sorts of programs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unless you're choosing between Alabama, Ohio State, and Texas, you know, your options, you know, aren't much different than Texas. You know, there's a lot of instability a lot of places unless, you know, you're one of those teams in the college football playoff. I mean, Oklahoma fired their defensive staff last year after making the college football playoff. So I think these kids understand and know that it's a business and that they're there to, you know, in their mind, get ready for the next level and try to make it to the NFL. It's just a matter of who those relationships are with. And Texas does a good job of using Brian Carrington, Derek Chang, and some of those guys behind the scenes that will always be there and are kind of the the brother figures to to some of these players. So if Carrington's around, I think that helps a lot of the recruits as much as, you know, their position coach. Uh, speaking of Brian Carrington, I mean, if you've been on, you know, Twitter at all in the past week, you've Ever. seen news about him going on the route, road and kind of being temporarily promoted to coach so he can go recruit. You know, what does that do on the recruiting trail? How much of an asset is he – Is his ability to actually go to you know living rooms and go to schools to actually see these kids face-to-face on their turf. It's huge. They did it a couple of years ago um, where he was able to get out. And he, I know a story where he went to Joseph Asai's family and that kind of sealed that deal for Texas. You know, when you talk to Dijon Harrison a couple of weeks ago after a game, we were interviewing him, and he kept mentioning Carrington. You know, you'd ask him about Drew Maringer or something, he just kept mentioning and it felt kind of weird. And now... You know, you see a couple flash forward a couple weeks later, and you're wondering is Carrington probably more involved in the recruiting than even the wide receiver coach, even three, four weeks ago. So he's just, he's, let's face it, most of these kids are young African Americans. Most of the coaches are old white dudes. Brian Carrington is a young black man who can relate uh, to some of these players, and it's good in front of families, in front of moms, and for him to get to be on the road and not only be on campus but to get into go into these living rooms and talk about that stuff because he has an interesting life and he's gone through an interesting path and i think can kind of relate uh, in some ways that you know a tom herman or a herb hand just simply can't and so i think he's a uh, big tool for the longhorns that they use uh, pretty smartly in my opinion yeah probably a little bit more real than tom and his grill right i mean it's just there's the office the office authenticity of it is much more and it's just a, a fact of life and there's nothing wrong with that and it, it's just uh i think he's just one of those guys that is in between the parents and the kids age and he can be that gap between the coaches and the players kind of the brother or the friend or the uncle um, that isn't necessarily just on them every single second of the day all right let's uh, go around the 40 acres really quick uh each day on hook'em.com you write your dotted line column we're just going to focus on your tuesday column and you had kind of a wish list uh, of what Texas kind of needs to do before signing day. And one of the notes was um, Texas, despite all the craziness on campus, got did get some recruiting in early this week. Uh, Sawyer, Sawyer Gorham Welch, a uh, defensive lineman from Longview, received a scholarship offer earlier this week. He's currently an Oklahoma State pledge. But uh, what's kind of the 411 on him and what's the chances of him kind of being that Van Fillinger replacement in this uh, recruiting class. Yeah, that's the plan. You know, I don't know if he gets an offer if Van doesn't decommit, but they're similar players, you know, big body, defensive tackles, defensive ends maybe in a three 
odd man front. But like we said, with the coaching changes, uh, Texas is probably going to a four-man front. I mean, I it's hard to imagine Todd Orlando gets fired and they hire somebody else that runs the exact same system. So I just think they need bodies up there, and he's just one of those East Texas kids that's won a state championship and has played really well at the at the high level. I was always surprised Oklahoma State was his top offer. I'd imagine an offer from Texas getting a chance to stay in the state will be uh, real will be big and just like everything in recruiting it comes down to if you can get them on campus. If you can get them on campus, you got a shot. If if they don't set a visit, there's no chance. I just want him to, you know, commit so the Longview signing day ceremony will have him right next to an A&M bound quarterback and have all those uh yeah, man. All, all those uh Shout out Coach King. Yeah. I love John King. He's my favorite coach in Texas high school football. Powerhouse. All right, um, coaching changes. Do they impact at all with the recruiting of Keely Ringo, the five-star cornerback, or Alfred Collins, the uh, local defensive lineman who has long been considered a Texas lean? Yeah, you know, I can't help. You know, I know, let's take Alfred, for example. He's really close with Oscar Giles. And so – you know, Oscar's still one of those guys that nobody's you know, nobody said anything. Um, but like we talked about earlier uh, in this podcast, when a new defense coordinator is eventually hired, you have to imagine they're allowed to, you know, get their own people or at least have a chance to 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 interview for those spots and kind of make sure they align. So Texas has a lot working for it outside of just Oscar Giles. But yeah, the uncertainty of defense definitely hurts with uh, Alfred Collins, and then. With Jason Washington, with Keeley, it comes down to, you know, can they promise Keeley that Jason Washington is going to be here, you know, after the bowl games? And I don't know if that's something that they can promise. And Georgia is, uh, you know, really out in front there. I think the uh, the selling point for, for Ringo is just, I mean, you could probably start if you came in here and Texas needs you more than Georgia does, but I don't know if that ends up working at the end of the day. But you got to try. One player we do expect to see on campus next year is Mr. Jake Majors, who has yes. been on this podcast before. Uh, very fun interview. Um, you got to talk to him again uh, recently. Uh, his rock, his uh, his uh, Prosper team is going to soon face Rockwall in the 6A Division One quarterfinals, which should be a fun mm-hmm. fun matchup. So uh, let's hear what uh, Jake had to say, and we'll have a little discussion afterwards. Uh, for you guys going into the season, where did y'all want to be on Thanksgiving, and how did y'all kind of feel coming into this week of preparation? Um, you know, uh, one of the best times of the year is practicing Thanksgiving, and uh, we've always had that goal. We wanted to push our pro- program to that point, and uh, we did it. And I'm really proud of everybody getting us to where we are today, and we're not done yet. I know it's not over for you, but do you ever take a step back and think about this program that you came into as a freshman, sophomore, and like what? y'all are now yeah it's a huge change you know uh it's not just me it's the whole program it's the coaching staff it's the guys beside me and uh it's been a blessing to be a part of this program they've turned me into man i am today how much do you take pride in kind of being the old guy now instead of the young guy and kind of just you know bringing these guys along in these big moments um you know uh nash gagliano he's a left guard next to me he's just a sophomore he's like a baby lamb but uh i'm right there right next to him i tell him every day i got him and we're gonna get through this thing and uh sometimes it's hard for us it's a grind but we get through it together as a high school offensive lineman do you remember kind of when it clicked when you go from kind of that young lamb with all the talent to kind of okay i belong here and this is this is for me uh definitely after sophomore year whenever you have a good year with a good team and you go far in the playoffs you're like all right i'm doing something right let's click it up a notch 
what's going on with the commitment status? I know that's a big question from everybody. Kind of just, I guess, what's your overall message to Texas fans? Um, we got big, th- big things coming. Uh, we're, all, we're all solid. We love Texas. We love where it's going to be. I know it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch as well for me, but I have faith in everybody there. No worries. As a player, do you think it's easier to kind of understand the struggles than it is for maybe 100%, somebody? Yes, 100%. You know, it's not going to be perfect every time. Uh, Texas isn't where it's, it's used to be, and it takes a process. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So, somehow good right there. Uh, going into next week, kind of this is uncharted territory for y'all. Kind of how do y'all keep just kind of the momentum and, and not let the moment kind of get too big? Um, you know, we uh, we use a slang around here. It's a young swag versus the world. We're, we're a young team. <laughs> no, our own community didn't believe in us, and now we got their uh, we got their belief. We just believe in each other. You know, we don't need anybody else but this staff and these players. So, proud of where we are. It's a huge blessing to be a part of this program, and uh, all glory to God. Hey, Mike, when you talked to uh, Jake back in October, he was very adamant that Texas was his school. Mm. He was solid on his commitment, and it doesn't seem, based on your interview, that those feelings have changed. However, it seems like he understands that there's frustration um, among the fans. He repeated the uh, line that Sam Ellinger kind of took some flack for about Rome not being built in a day. But when you were talking to these kids, do they see this um, these struggles as an uh oh or a oh yeah okay you know we can be the foundation of something we can we can help build and get this Texas team back? How do you do you feel these recruits are as frustrated as the fans are? Uh, no, because they play football, mm-hmm. and when you're an athlete and you're playing, you understand that losing happens. You know, none of these high school kids, you know, except for maybe the kids at Duncanville. Uh, I mean, they lose. You know, Prosper stunk when Jake Majors was a sophomore. I mean, they were awful. They're in Allen's district. I mean, that's a really tough district. Um, He talked about how the players understand it more than the fans because they've been through it and they've lost and they know how, you know, a couple things here and there can dictate a win and a loss. And so I think they understand it's not a video game the way fans don't. You know, you don't just plug and play just because the more talented you get to walk out there and win. It's not 1995 anymore. Um, And so... Yeah, I think they look at it and they're they're not happy about it. They'd rather be joining a Texas program that was ten and two and you know winning a Big Twelve championship. Mm-hmm. But if you gave them truth serum, I think a lot of them are excited that there's some spots to be had and some some space on the two deep and you know some uncertainty on who's going to stay and who's not on the roster. And for them, they're not coming to college to sit. You know, like I just said, it's not 1994. You know, like they want to play, and so. Uh, they're coming in ready to do so. And then with offensive linemen, um, you're not going to play for a year anyway, probably. You're probably going to redshirt and that kind of stuff. And uh, Herb Hand's safe. So it, I think all four of the offensive linemen should be pretty safe for Texas. Like you said, they have four offensive line commits in this class. That's obviously a pretty decent job done by Herb Hand, who I think each year they've had about three or four yeah. um, linemen sign. Is that what's keeping her pan safe, or you know, is it his you know the money left on his contract? Is it you know obviously he's done a fine job at Texas, but is that recruiting kind of a factor in why you know those linemen probably can feel confident that he'll be here next year? I believe so because the what's really important is that 2021 class mm-hmm. and next year's offensive line class in Texas is ridiculous. Like it's got the little Brock Myers, Tommy and James Brock Meyer, uh, Donovan Jackson was the MVP of the opening as a junior. I mean, he was the only junior offensive lineman there and beat out all the senior offensive linemen there for MVP. 
Um, you know, a couple kids at Katie Taylor that Texas is in on that's really good. So Herb Hand not only is safe because, like you said, he got a two-year contract when he got hired a couple years, so he still has one year left. But, yeah, this coming up recruiting cycle is huge, and he has a great relationship with those guys. And recruiting is as important as the on-field stuff, in my opinion, when it comes to assistant coaches. Unless you are Derek Kerstetter and Texas has no choice, which was the case. Um, yeah, it's in bad the, news. In the 2017 season, you were not going to play as a right. true freshman. But you know, of the four commits that um, you know, Texas has lined up on the line, who might we see early? Who's kind of the standout in this um, upcoming class? So majors and par enroll early. Mm-hmm. And on the interior, the thing that I don't I don't know who's going to play center. I would assume it's Kerstetter moves inside to play mm-hmm. center. But they're going to need somebody to back them up. And if that's not Rafidi Germay, that's got to be Jake Majors or someone like that. So he could end up being, you know, a Zach Shackleford type that comes in here. And just because of the niche of the role and because center, you don't have to be as physically ready because you're not going up against, you know, you you get a lot of help at center. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Jake could be one of those guys that plays early because he gets here. He's going to know the system and he's just one of those football nuts he's just one of those guys that his his floor is so low because you know he's just going to give everything you know he has and that's not you talk to a lot of recruits and that's not always true some of them don't love football as much as others and jake's one of those guys that it's easy to bet on him i believe it is time for our recruiting spotlight every week we're going to introduce you to a future longhorn who won't be playing football at texas this week we're shining the spotlight on future texas soccer player sophia claros Sophia is one, was one of seven players who signed to Texas uh, last month. Sophia is a midfielder from he, sorry, Hebron High. She actually never played f- soccer at her high school, but she is a member of the Solar Soccer Club. Four of UT's signees played for Solar. Ooh. I asked uh, Derek, Mis- Derek Misimo, her coach with the, the Solar Soccer Club, and also the father of current UT midfielder Gabriella Misimo, to describe Sophia, and he chose passion. Why do you choose that word? Quote, Sophia's passion for the game drives her desire to be technically and tactically her very best. Sophia's attention to details and work ethic makes her a, quote, student of the game, end quote. Fun fact, Sophia used to play futsal, which is essentially hardcore soccer, and won a world title in 2016. She is one of four midfielders who will be joining the Longhorns in 2020. You know who also loves some futsal? Mike Craven. Mike Craven loves it. Did you ever win a world championship? No, 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 no. Okay. But I enjoy it. All right, well, it's less running than real soccer. I guess you were the University of Texas' second favorite football yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I miss Sophia. Yeah. All right, uh, let's wrap this up, Mike. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot of plans coming up this uh, weekend. What What's on the agenda? Uh, back to Dallas because pretty much everybody left in the playoffs for Texas is in Dallas. So going to South Lake Carroll versus Duncanville. On Saturday, if you're out there in DFW, that is one to catch. It's at McKinney at 2.30. Go watch that one. Uh, Friday, I'm going to go see Alito. Uh, Texas really loves the junior wide receiver there named JoJo Earl. And uh, I'm going to go watch him uh, play on Friday. And then, yeah, Duncanville South Lake Carroll on Saturday, which is one of my favorite DFW matchups, not only because of uh, the color schemes and the talent, but it's the socioeconomics of it is just beautiful. I assume one of those two games you were alluding to was the game that our friend Matt Stepp was alluding to on yes. Twitter the other day when he said one media outlet requested 13 credentials for yeah. you know a high school football game. You know, when you get to these games and you have these big time programs, 
it's not in Jerry World. What is the media situation like? I know you like to be out and about and roam the silence. Maybe the press box isn't the biggest thing in the world. But what is the media setup at these big-time playoff games? It's not good. It's not good. A lot of riffraff. You know, um, I, you know, and even me, I, anybody who knows me that's listening to this knows that I don't take myself too seriously. I don't consider myself like a capital J journalist. You know, I'm just doing recruiting stuff. But there's some people that definitely don't belong. <laughs> there with the media pass and stuff it's just like young guys that want to play high school football that didn't that are now standing next to the side i don't know it's just a weird thing but yeah it's all it's all just to do uh social media stuff that doesn't turn into like anything that makes you money so i have no idea what that side is trying to do with 13 media members and uh i know what they are doing they're taking away the media spread in the press box I'm sure. yeah that's, that's, that's going to cost some enemies right there that's the thing is that this is why so many places have and it doesn't matter to us because we're a newspaper but so many places have made it hard for internet sites that are actually doing good work to get press passes because of certain places like this that go we need 13 press passes for you know a non-state title. i mean come on mm-hmm. You need a state title game, and someone asks for thirteen press passes, and you're not Dave. I don't even think Dave Campbell. No, would that's the thing is, even Dave passes. Campbell's doesn't get. I mean, there's seven. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's it. Like, that's, and that's, that's for ten like, well, games. That, that's high, and that's but. for ten games over three days. And there's so much content that those guys put out. Mm-hmm. Like, and they only have like six or seven, if I count. You know, like, yeah, you don't need thirteen people just to tweet. Uh, speaking of the DFW area, over at Jerry World on Saturday will be the Big 12 Championship game. Saturday morning, Oklahoma-Baylor. Oklahoma is favored by nine points, um, which I don't know if that's a surprising line or not based off what happened in Waco. It was 10 a couple. in Waco earlier in the year. It, it so was, but the, the game was Vegas, not a 10-point game. Vegas has given Baylor a little bit more credit uh, this week at a neutral site. I thought that was pretty interesting. So who who would you be taking? Are you staying away from this line? Is is that line juicy to you? What do you kind of think about that? Uh, I, I'm I, I'm taking Baylor in the nine points. Baylor's just playing outstanding football right now, and the way they stayed with Oklahoma the last time, I don't know if they beat them, but I am pretty sure Matt Rule's team doesn't just collapse in the second half this time. So uh, I got a close game here with Oklahoma winning, but Baylor covering. Uh, speaking of Matt Rule, you know he kind of went viral a little bit this week, kind of talking him. about his. Uh, recruiting philosophy and essentially you know what he was saying was you know i'm here to focus on the guys that are in my program now like you know it's it's great to show love to the recruits but you know if you come to baylor we are going to focus on you and not you know the kids are going to be here you know you know three two three years from now what do you kind of think of his statement is that kind of what if you're baylor and you're not one of these flashy programs is that kind of what you have to say to get get interest there were some shots taken in there if you listen closely there there are some shots taken in there i I saw some burnt orange shade you know um he mentioned not recruiting to a logo and that kind of stuff and here's the deal if you're oklahoma a&m texas the places with those logos you can always recruit whether you're doing bad or doing good you're always going to be able to recruit because of the facilities and the amount of money and etc at baylor the way you recruit is by winning on the football field and Matt Rule, I think, understands that if his football team is good in Waco, people will come. If they're not good in Waco, it doesn't matter how great of recruiters they are, you're not going to get guys to Baylor. So the main concentration for him was taking a 1-11 team and making it a place where like people would want to come play. He's done that now, to where now he can call up guys and you know get them to flip or get them to, you know. So like he has made the product on the field attractive instead of just the program and to me 
it's an old fashioned way of doing it. And it's refreshing in, in the modern world of promising these kids the world and then wondering why they feel so entitled. All right, let's pull two letters out of our mailbag really quick before we get out of here. As always, if you have a question about the Longhorns or recruiting, you can find us on Twitter. I'm AAS Danny. Mike is at Craven Mike. Bevo Beat on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, the underscore real underscore case lame on Instagram asks, what bowl game do you think Texas will be going to? Um, you know, Kirk Bowles uh, at K Bowles on the Twitter um, has been all all over this. Um, he, he, I think he's kind of leaning either towards a Camping World Bowl or an Orlando or possibly the Alamo Bowl. A lot of it won't be decided until Saturday because a lot of it depends on Oklahoma and uh, Baylor and if they can both make New York Six Bowls, which will make my life uh, less than pleasant because I think if that happens, Texas will be going to the Alamo Bowl, which is, as I have stated many times, not my first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, Seventh, open eighth, air ninth, press box, tenth, baby. Eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth. Yeah, is that your pick. is that your least fa- is that your least favorite stadium in the state? I just I, I mean not high school stadium like in terms of like real stadiums. Yeah, I mean part of it is just having a sour attitude, you know, to sour memories of it um, as a you know high school journalist and hmm. never having uh, never having um, rosters up there yeah. and it just being a pain in the butt to. You know, sometimes get in there and park and just, you know, get, get access to the field. I've covered the Alamo Bowl, I think, three times before in my life, and it's fine. It's, it's an okay bowl. But, you know what, this has been a long football season, and this is going to sound completely selfish of me. And I you need a vacay. And I, and I know that. But after this long season, I did not want to spend <laughs> my bowl week in San Antonio, a city I can go to today if I wanted to. If I want to go get good food. Yeah. And check out a, a lovely city. I can go today. Right, I we can go to, to Anita's Cafe right now. I do not need to spend my bowl week, bowl week there at a bowl I don't enjoy in a facility that is not great. And you know what? Because of the kickoff time in that bowl, I don't want to be spending. I, I'd rather be with my wife when the ball drops on New Year's Eve, not uh, in the press box with a you know a bunch of other other journalists. My least favorite press box. I at, get at to that. spend my New Year's in Orlando for the Under Armour game. So it's going to be me by myself in Orlando for uh, for New Year's. So that's co- going to get horrible. You can cause some trouble there. I I just rather you know me personally. I guess I guess the uh, Liberty Bowl is kind of out of the picture. Um, I think Texas may be a little bit too good for a trip to Memphis. That would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been um, cool. Orlando's Orlando's fine. But you know we got spoiled last year getting to go to New Orleans yeah, for I mean, yeah. a week on the on the company dime. So yeah. I guess if I had to go to San Antonio as a as a as as a way yeah, to atone sl- for you last could year, sleep at your house if you wanted to. It, I literally could. That's uh, so that's nice. I'd probably probably every night except for the game night. I think yeah. I'll just be commuting. But you know, those are first world journalism problems, I guess. All right, uh, last question comes from Black Sheep Sport Fishing on Instagram, and Mike, he wants to know what rank do you think the twenty twenty class will be when all is said and done? It'll be top ten. Yeah, I don't. Anybody who's left, I think, has already left. So you're going to have this 17 plus, I mean, realistically, three to five more. Um, and so if Texas gets to 20, 22, I think they at least hang on to like the ninth, 10th spot. Talent wise, this class per prospect right now ranks higher than the last two years that were top three classes. They just don't have the numbers uh, to get ranked that high. But like, in terms of average per player, this is a really good recruiting class. So I don't, I don't know if the sky is falling as much as everybody 
uh, always thinks it is. The sky is not falling. No, Texas, never does. It stays, stays right where it says. The sky can't fall, actually. Mm-hmm. Scientifically impossible. That's true. Well, if the Texas ends up the Alamo Bowl, my sky may fall. <laughs> anyway, that is it for us today. Uh, don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We sure do appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in every week. The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.